Hey everybody, this is Jacob, one of the co-hosts on the Back to Back Films podcast. I'd like to take this moment to talk to you guys about Film is Truth, a video rental store in Bellingham, Washington. I had a hard time finding a movie that I was supposed to watch for a class. Uh, The movie was a celebration. It wasn't on any of the video streaming services or on DVD.com. But they had it at Film is Truth, and they had a wonderful staff that helped me find the movie and others that I wanted to watch. It's located in the Terra Organica market, so you can get your films and your groceries in one go. So give him a shot and enjoy the show. This week's episode of the Back to Back Films Podcast. This week we're doing a slightly different episode. Uh, I've been pretty busy, so I didn't have a chance to do all the research I usually do for each film. So we're just going to talk about them generally uh, and review them. So the two films this week are Home Sweet Home, made in 1981, and North by Northwest, the Hitchcock film. Uh, As always, we recommend that you watch the two films we'll be discussing before listening to the episode. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. Nice. So, uh, updates since, well, we didn't update last time. Gosh. Any updates at all? (laughs) I can't think of any updates on my end. I know, I'm real excited for that, uh, Shape of Water movie. Oh, Uh, yeah. Looking at, uh, I mean, I was excited for it before, but now that I'm seeing all these, uh, critics rolling in saying it's, uh, masterpiece you know it's it's uh getting all i'm getting all excited yeah and uh and greta gearwig's uh project um oh yeah gosh, La- ladybird that's Lady coming Bird. to the picture yeah. yeah yeah it's like uh supposed to be like batshit insane good uh so and it's a good time for movies right now starring There's a lot of movies coming out i'm really excited it's a good time for indie movies yeah mm. yeah, yeah. ladybird yeah, stars yeah. saoirse ronan saoirse ronan yeah yeah Saoirse Ronan is pretty cool. I think she's she's always been super talented, and it's cool because she's not, like, fucked up. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, yet. She's not a... Uh, <laughs> she's not a she's Lindsay Lohan. She's only, like, 23 or 24. Or yeah, she's still young. I mean, she's still got plenty of time to get... Because when did Budapest come Drew out? Barrymore. 2000... <laughs> Just get to get Drew Barrymore. <laughs> um, 2014. Budapest. Oh, she, was in, she was in Brooklyn. Yeah, she, she was in... Um, she was in the Suffragettes too, I think, right? Or no, that was a different movie. No, but she's in a Hannah, which I love that movie by uh, Joe Wright. She was oh, in, she's in she, Atonement, which is, is also by Hannah? that same director. Um, yeah, yeah, she she's Hannah. Oh, she is Hannah. Yeah, yes. she's in a lot of shit. She's she's a good actress. She's in the Lovely Bones, obviously. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen actually like any of the movies that you guys have listed. So <laughs> <laughs> you, I think you'd like Hannah. You've, you've it's seen, pretty cool. You've seen Grand uh, Grand Budapest. Well, yeah, because we watched it on th- unless you didn't actually watch that episode. Nope, which I, I want to put. I past faked you. my way through it. <laughs> I think Keith would like man. Hannah. It's it's a it's this interesting Hitchcock or uh, not Hitchcock? God damn it, uh, action film. But it's um, a take on like uh, Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, okay. Um, where it's not a specific Grimm's fairy tale itself, but it takes images and themes from the fa- different Grimm's fairy tales oh, nice. and kind of makes it into this action movie. Um, right, and uh, it has a score by the uh, Chemical Brothers, which makes it just super unique. And Kate Blanchett is the villain, and she's just a badass in it. And 
It's just a really cool movie. Eric Bana. Yeah, Eric Bana's in it. He plays the the cool operative dad and stuff. Um, it's a it's a really good movie. Nice. Good cinematography. Some amazing lights. Nice. Um, and just some cool camera work and editing. That's Mixed pretty low key the, movie. It is. Yeah, it's really good though. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of the best of that year. But like again, I think it's one of those ones that people that saw it really like it. But there's a lot of people that just didn't see it. Yeah, because I didn't really even hear about it. So, God, she doesn't even oh, look that, like that's herself. That's so funny because because I thought there was a lot of buzz behind Hannah coming out just because it was like this badass like young, uh, you know, woman doing all this stuff. Yeah, you know, but with, I, like, the bow and arrow. I, I want to say though, like the Hunger Games or whatever came out the f- same year, and it kind of overshadowed. Oh yeah, you know. Oh man, that's yeah, what that I want to see. I think oh, um, Hunger Games, yeah. I think this is coming to the pick for three billboards outside of Ebbing, oh, Montana. Yeah, that looks good. I want to see oh, that yeah. bad, dude. Yeah, actually, Robert was—that's uh, going to be his uh, weekend recommends. You know that thing that we're doing? He's recommending that. He saw it and he's like, "It's so good, dude. Nice." Yeah, the, the uh, yeah, Seven Psychopaths was good, and of course, I Bruges like Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. So it, it has—it looks like it has that same kind of bite. I know. It, you know, and then Francis McDormand yeah. kicking down doors yeah. and shit. Yeah, dude. Uh, that looks good. This this is festival season now, so all the all these movies are coming out that I really need to see. Yeah, man, too much too much money. Got to get you got to get movie pass, dude. Oh yeah, movie pass. It's seven bucks a month if you sign up for a year. Seven bucks a month. At the same time. I am one of those guys that I like to get my ticket in advance. You know, like, I, I don't like to, like, wait in line and get my ticket there. Like, I, You know they have kiosks, right? Yeah, you just go to the kiosk. Oh, really? Oh, you, so you can... I just walk in and we never wait in line. We just go to the kiosk, like... Oh, that's yeah, true. Dude, that's true. Never yeah. wait. Never talk to a... Per- you talk to people? Out, yeah. Outside of the podcast. Well, I, I mean, I normally don't because I normally just buy it online first and then just walk right to the <laughs> to the lady that you know scans the ticket and then uh, get into the theater that way. But um, right, yeah. <laughs> but like on like limited or like on show, like you have to wait though, don't you? With if if you have movie pass, if you want, if you wanted to go to like a maybe a big showing uh, to like a. Uh, 3D. I bet you Last IMAX Jedi section. would be yeah. questionable, right. right? You cannot, you cannot do 3D or IMAX with Movie Pass. So it's oh. it's only standard showings. Oh, um, and how it works is it has to be 30 minutes before the show. Yeah, see, fuck that. Ticket. See, fuck that. I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. For seven bucks a month, it seems worth. No, it I mean it is that. pretty good. It is pretty good. But I do tend to go to the movies that you know. If I want to go to the theater, I want to see it in IMAX or 3D or whatever, you know. And and I normally I'm so oh, yeah I'm so like into the movie that I I want to make sure that I have good fucking seats. So there's no way I'm spin I'm I'm picking my seat 30 minutes in advance. I'm picking it before that, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, cause you got. Oh, that's why you're so weird about this. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like I, I I'm, yeah. I'm so particular in what I, and, and like, if I'm going to the movie theater, spending twelve to fifteen or twenty bucks on a movie, like I want to have a good seat, you know. Like, so I normally always get there super, like, like in advance. Like I, I'm at the theater as soon as they let me in, almost, you know, almost every time. Where oh, do man. you uh where do you normally sit? I was Where's gonna ask that too. Spot? 
I sit um, in the middle, in the like not never down below. So like when you come in, oh, that's the only place I sit. Really? I sit like in the first three down rows. Below? No fucking way. There's no fucking oh, way. Gross, dude. <laughs> that's weird. No, but I, I always sit like three or four rows up. So basically, kind of like the middle, the middle of the middle. Dude, that's uh, that's that's where I sit. <laughs> it's like I don't want to sit in the very first row because there's a bunch of like lights down. Yeah, there. yeah, the lights. But like, if up. you sit in the second row, that's okay. But I prefer like three. Yeah, like the, three the, is the, my favorite. The third and the it fourth. Blocks, yeah, blocks all the light. Yeah, um, that you get from like the bottom, and you're right in the middle. You're slightly looking down, depending on the theater. And that's that's where that's where that's where the money's at for me. Yeah, no, same. It's it's the best spot. I like to sit in those chairs that are like right on the other side of the railing, where the like wheelchair access is. Yeah, those are the best ones. <laughs> no, dude, those are the worst. <laughs> Everyone's always walking in front of you. <laughs> and then the lady or guy that 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 works at the theater that have to come in with their fucking red coned flashlights, the check on the yeah shit. yeah. Like that's always annoying. Yeah, like I was watching. I was watching, dude. Like, okay, when Blade Runner, man, I was like so pumped for that movie. I'm like enthralled into this thing, and I'm like, you know, in the world. And then the fucking guy comes through with his fucking cone flashlight and just takes yeah. me out of the goddamn. Movie. <laughs> I don't know why they started doing that. I think after uh, the Colorado theater shooting. Oh, uh, weird. Well, yeah, I worked. I worked at Regal. In high, when was the Colorado shooting? Because I worked there in like, high school. It was like 2007 that. or so, because it was when The Dark Knight came out. Oh, must. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that was after that. Yeah. Well, when I worked at Regal, we had to do it twice during a showing. So, or three times if we're if we're uh, you know good boys. But uh, so, like, what are you actually checking? Who cares. Um. Well, what they say is uh, you're checking for. Audio quality, picture quality, because like sometimes with, you know, if it's like a, like some of these cameras, or I'm sorry, some of the projectors can be like off, um, fo- like the focus can be off, or they can be showing, some of them show two images, e- even if it's not 3D, and those images can be off slightly, so it can look, have, give it like a blurry effect, uh, really, any disorderly people... You know, seeing if anyone's getting a blowjob up there. Um, <laughs> you know, just just the usual stuff. Would you but would you really, would you be that guy that would like approach that person and be like, okay, enough with the blowjob? <laughs> oh, I would stick the cone right on the guy and be like, you're coming with me. <laughs> right on his, uh, you're coming with me. I don't know if that's the right wording. <laughs> getting a little I racy. Think, I think it's appropriate uh, appropriate wording. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I think it's more of like a presence thing, like because like they're not. It's not like if the audio quality is bad, they're gonna stop the movie. No. Or if the video quality is bad, if there's if no one complains, then they're just gonna keep rolling with it and never fix it. Cause it that's, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> how it works, you know, until someone complains. I'm done for them to stop the movie if you get a free ticket afterwards. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I'm always down for that. <laughs> no, for me, yeah. uh, since you guys said like where you guys generally sit. Uh, I, I thought you liked the front care section that much. Were you lying about that? Yeah, I was lying about that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, 
I would. There's actually <laughs> one exception to that. So when I went to see Killing of a Sacred Deer, which everyone see that movie, um, I went to a Regal in, in Seattle, and uh, that particular Regal had these crazy ass super nice reclining seats uh. and like this kind of like university swiveling table for your food and everything oh shit oh, um yeah. so yeah. it no matter where you sat in the theater like if you sat in the very front you could actually recline it actually reclined into a uh almost fully flat whoa so you are actually just like reclined so you really could be getting a yeah. blowjob at the it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except for you can see everyone yeah. like it was a pretty small theater right uh, well, but if, even if you sat in the front, community like, uh, yeah. orgy. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. you know you you kind of just want people to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes it go faster so you can enjoy the movie again. But no, yeah. So you could sit anywhere in that uh, theater, what, and it was what, what theater? What theater was that? It's the one. Oh man, it's like right downtown next to GameWorks. Oh, oh, Mer- oh yeah, okay, yeah. That's the one we went to. Regal Meridian? Something, yeah, I think it was Meridian. Or, yeah, that it, sounds right. It wasn't the, yeah, it wasn't the AMC. They must have just redone that because when I lived there three years ago, that, mo- that movie theater sucked. It's went, super uh, nice now. How to Train Your Dragon 2, and one of the, like, projector, like, panels, they, they put up, like, a temporary one, and you could, you could tell that it was, like, a slightly yellower panel. Than the other ones. Oh man! Uh. So so and the the projector screen had four different panels that were all connected, and it was like that that one is the new one, and it's yellow. <laughs> and the whole movie, I was like, but I was like pissed because it was like How to Train Dragon Two's like like Roger Deakins came on and did all like all the digital cinematography for it, so it was like. This is all beautifully like rendered and gorgeous animation, and these shots are just awesome. Fuck. And then it was just like a big yellow Ruined. panel, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I was like, I'm never coming back here again. But maybe I'll give it a shot if they just uh, shit, you know. Yeah, I didn't did, have problems with it. Again. Yeah. Um, no, but generally, I I kind of don't care all that much where I sit in the theater because you can see the movie yeah. from wherever. Like, Yeah, I that's guess. what's good about the Barclay Theaters ones, at least, is like, no matter where you're sitting, it's normally a good experience. I mean, whereas before it wasn't. Yeah. But now it, it now it is. Yeah. Um, but especially with the sound. I mean, the sound has gotten so much better, too. Totally. Where you're not like, oh, yeah. you know, you could sit at the, the aisle and you're not hearing the theater next door, you know, which is pretty exactly. sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, so I don't have any way to segue <laughs> or do anything on this episode. We are like straight nice. winging it. Um, but we could talk well, about so the movies a little bit, just talk, in general. Yeah, just jump into which, one of them. Which one are we going to talk about first, guys? Let's <laughs> just get home sweet home. Let's just <laughs> knock it out right now. Okay, let's just knock this. Um, out. so home sweet home was kind of like a one of those trying to ride off of like. 70s slasher type movies like a super D version of uh, Halloween or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's pretty terrible <laughs> all around. Like, <laughs> pretty laughable the whole time. Um, it, it's... Yeah. Well, I guess it was made in the yeah, 1981. What's weird about it is it's directed by a woman. Oh, was it? Yeah, which uh, I mean is kind of unique. Uh, nice. In the sense of, especially in 1981, yeah, totally. and for the genre, 
like I mean I think it's great and yeah, it, totally. it's kind of cool because I think this might be the first film that we've talked about on the podcast that's directed by a woman right uh, oh god that's probably true <laughs> holy shit is that true uh, yeah I think it's true yeah, we gotta change that wow. Wait, you know what we should do we should just do a special because we didn't episode. talk we didn't really talk about Wonder Woman right no so I think it might be guys but uh, it's just interesting in the in the in the sense that it's it you know it it's not like it doesn't really feel like a a, a movie directed by a woman which it, no, I don't, it feels I don't, like a dude I don't movie. mean that as like a right uh, like oh you know girl movies need to look like this or you know what I mean right um, but or look it, how bad it is a woman did it right <laughs> right it's it's it just <laughs> speak of all the movies to pick to be directed by a woman it was just funny that this was the one that which wasn't on purpose <laughs> like yeah it wasn't no, it wasn't, it wasn't at all no I but actually, I, it's just an interesting yeah. it's just an interesting um concept but she also edited the film and I, I i have to say the editing actually isn't that bad like the editing itself if you just look at like yeah i mean it's not it's not like it was like because, like, you look at a lot of those 1970s exploitation films, right? And the editing is just shitty, you know? The camera work is just shitty. Um, but you kind of ignore it just because the film is so ridiculous that it's... That it's... That you just kind of go with it. Where this film, it's ridiculous, but it's still kind of... It's like, it is it is watchable. And I think a part of that is because I think, you know, the soundtrack actually wasn't that bad. Like, it's not a super corny soundtrack. Yeah. And it's not like one of those, like... Right like 19 or late 1970s early 80s like synthesizer soundtracks you know it, it actually has like different instruments and stuff going on and it's it's not like it's corny though like it actually besides the one dude actually playing the instrument who right, was hella corny right. <laughs> but like but like but the, the actual like mood uh song like the song like the the score isn't actually like that bad so the combination of like the editing that isn't like trying to be flashy it's not dated there isn't any weird like transitions it's pretty simple I think maybe that was the key is that it was simple editing simple camera work and a simple story and a simple story everything was simple because of all that it didn't it didn't take you out of the movie on any of those levels what took you out of the movie was like the acting and just kind of the whole setup. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Like the content kind of took right. me out. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought the score worked. I thought the score was the best part of this movie. Yeah. It, in, entirely. I thought it was really impressive. And I was like, oh, man, this is actually not that, not as bad as the rest of the movie. <laughs> I mean, not, not bad, but you know what I mean? Like, um, like it, like it was the, it was the most, uh, accessible, uh, part of the movie. It was the least exploitative, uh, part of the movie. Right. Yeah. Cause the rest of it was like, we don't know how to write people, so we're going to use, like, they're always trying to have sex. Yeah. And this guy's always being annoying. And there's a killer who we see only killing, whose name is Killer. Like, right. everything about and, it was so and, simple. And he's, like, zany and crazy. And, like, when the people are about to have sex, they're all giggling, which, which was yeah. hysterical. And then he, like, uh. tries to have sex with his, like, brother or cousin's, like... <laughs> Whatever that Spanish chick or whatever, like that guy tries to like get with her, and then how do the women get out of the situation with the police? Oh my god, that's actually the best scene in the movie. I think, <laughs> like seriously, I think that's the best scene in the movie. 
Because uh, when he's like looking at her with the flashlight, the flashlight is just like on her so breast, bad, and, dude. and then like they the cops like leave to get into their car, and then they ask, "Did you see the what, what did he call him the?" <laughs> sound like the bazookas on that chick or something. Like, <laughs> and he's like, I was closer to them. Like, like he was like talking to th- about them as if like they were <laughs> as if they were like creatures or something. I was like, what the fuck? But I yeah, thought- it's like getting close to a squirrel or something at a campground. You're just like, I can get closer. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was like, well, I was closer. It was like, but that, but that. I think why that scene was my favorite was just because it at at that point, it, it you kind of you just fully embrace the cheesiness of it because before that it was cheesy but it but you could still tell that maybe they were trying to be serious about the film but then at that point it was like okay no that like now they've embraced the the cornball dialogue you know yeah Um, yeah i think the best part of that movie was that dude's laugh that's (laughs) the killer didn't say anything he just laughs the whole time yeah (laughs) i mean so basically the film is about this guy who has escaped He's uh he's supposed to be like one of their brothers or something, yeah. which they don't talk about in the film at no, all. At all, yeah. But he's escaped like a mental a mental institution. institution, and he's like on PCP. And apparently, he's weightlifting in the mental institution because yeah. he's Dude, jacked. The guy is ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god. He's like a weird offbeat version of like Lou Ferrigno when he was Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. And you know, it's funny. Is like you see people that look like that. In movies from the seventies and eighties, but I've I don't see people that look like that anymore. No, no, it's kind of weird. Like I wonder why. I think it's the way he's dressed, and then like the just like overly jacked look. Yeah. Like oh, we need a dude on steroids to play this part. He's not gonna have any speaking roles. We're gonna ADR he's, and yeah. dub his his laugh in. <laughs> Yeah, how about how about the ADR job just in general, for dude? This with the blonde guy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, the car ride at the beginning is just like oh, so oh, bad. This is obviously just recorded in the studio, <laughs> and you could just you could just tell like. Yeah. And the like worst they just part left it uncompressed. Or like the worst part was that the chicks audio was in the scene, and then his audio yeah. was ADR, yeah. so you could very yeah. t- very much tell. Yeah, you could easily tell the difference. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's interesting. I, I felt that actually all the women in the movie were better performers than all the men. Pretty much. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that the the director was a woman. Maybe. Like, you know, that maybe the, the women felt more comfortable or they were able to relate to the director, or the director relate to them or give direction to them better. Because, you know, I can kind, right. of, I kind of imagine like an independent, low-budget film set, the, the dudes like trying to think that they're like you know the hot shot actors and having like the, the ego and, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, what i mean yeah. and like oh I yeah. don't, you don't need you to tell me how to say my right. lines and then her just kind of go like <laughs> you know just kind of having to deal with it um just because it's a low budget movie yeah it could but, be i mean yeah, who, and that who could knows? that could be why a lot like you know almost every single director is a is a man uh so that could be why, like women, women characters in like major pictures are are um, so feel so thin, right? You know, could could have the opposite. That could be a reason why. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. It's kind of a kind of a cool uh, part of the movie that I kind of was kind of watching as it was like you know, I try, it was one, it's one of those movies that. There's, there's, it's such a simple movie, and, and there isn't much going on that 
you try and your brain starts grasping on the things that that maybe aren't really there but you start right. noticing because you're just searching for shit you know what i mean and, and that's just something that i picked up on but um dude yeah. weird i'm reading about so the guy who played the killer his name is jake steinfeld so like seinfeld with a t um <laughs> He's, uh, He's the Mr. T of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the first thing it says by him is that he's known for being a fitness specialist and fitness trainer. He developed the brands Body by Jake. <laughs> what the hell? And he founded Major League Lacrosse. No way. Yes. What? telling you dude that's kind of crazy and then it says he uh let's see uh he started as a personal trainer with clients such as steven spielberg and harrison ford who he trained for indiana jones and the temple of doom and the last crusade that's so weird yeah i know that he plays like a voice in ratatouille does he yeah apparently he was in king of the hill uh I'm not seeing Ratatouille. Really? Shit, maybe I, like, fucking... And then it says... They said, here's the lead role of Home Sweet Home. (laughs) Other film roles include Cheech and Chong, Into the Night, The Money Pit, and Coming to America. Oh, yeah, here's Ratatouille. Oh, okay, cool. He was a lab rat in Ratatouille. Oh, my God. That's so random. That was a brilliant role for him. I (laughs) (laughs) love... Just genetically engineered fucking... (laughs) <laughs> or like genetically, or not even genetically, just like yeah, just a, a someone that yeah, I don't know. He just looks like someone that would like you know roided up. Totally, but I guess seems like I mean he could be roided, but he seems like he's just a fitness guy, right? Yeah. Uh, I just love it that his brand is Body by Jake. Yeah, <laughs> Body by Jake. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, I, I didn't realize Vanessa Shaw, the the lead female miss like has a huge cinematography uh, filmography well she's just the girl also she's just a little girl that's the little girl yeah oh okay. oh that's why I, that's why i'm like oh, she's she in 40 days like and 40 nights and yeah yeah, yeah. she's she's, she's, the little girl. she's the little girl oh, girl, yeah. oh yeah okay but yeah so she uh she went on to yeah She's good shit. Yeah. FX, like, that was her film debut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Eyes Wide Shut she's in. She that Eyes Wide Shut's the movie that I'll always think of her at, you know, when I think of Vanessa Shaw, but cuz that was kind of the movie that kind of got her known. Um uh Wasn't Hocus Pocus? <laughs> well, I mean like I I think I think Eyes Wide Shut because it was, you know, it's a Kubrick film, so of course that's just going to bring you, you know, if you're in a Kubrick movie, it gives you some notoriety, you know. It's like, I don't know. It, she was in uh, Forty Days and Forty Nights. Oh shit! And in Hills Have Eyes, apparently, which yeah. was directed by Alexander Aja. I didn't know that. That movie's pretty good. It, it looks like a Robbie, Rob Zombie ripoff, though. It has that same aesthetic. He made the absolutely terrible movie High Tension. It's a terrible movie. I don't mind that movie. I mean, there's a lot of issues with it, but it's not... I've seen worse, you The know? biggest issues are with the ending. Yeah, the, the ending terrible is pretty ridiculous. Ending. But, uh, um... Yeah, Vanessa Shaw is, is kind of cool. She's in three ten, the new 310 to Yuma. And yeah. My favorite... Yeah, I uh, I, uh, Jake, have you seen Two Lovers by James Gray? 
No. Dude, you have to see that movie. That 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 movie actually I think you'll you would really enjoy. Like I I mean this, like I think me recommending that movie would I think you'll like uh, meh. I think it's I it's 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 seriously it's a really I I've talked about James Gray on the podcast before. He he he's directed um The Lost City of Z and uh the the immigrant and we own the night um his films are really good and two lovers is is it, it's not what you would think i would like it's not that type of movie that screams oh this is a movie that byron likes but it's actually one of my favorite movies of the, of this of that kind of like drama romantic romantic drama, drama genre um sure. and i mean what it's so good what is james gray's thing like what? What kind of films does he make? He he kind of he does dramas. I mean, like he his first couple films, uh, like the, the he did the yards or uh, the yard with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Joaquin Phoenix and stuff. Um, is is kind of like a crime film. Um, and then same with We Own the Night, which I'm sure you've Lost seen. Lost City of Z was drama. Yeah, and the Lost City of Z is like a drama um, adventure film, and then. Uh, the immigrant is a you know nineteen twenty or nineteen tens nineteen twenty drama film. Marion Cotillard is an immigrant that comes into the U.S. that has to kind of sell her body to try and help get her um, sister out of getting you know um, deported back into Poland and. It's a it's a kind of a heartbreaking you know film as Jeremy Renner Walking Phoenix again he he works as Walking Phoenix in almost every one of his films but it, it, it's just he's just a really good director but um dude I want to see that new that movie. movie with Walking Phoenix is it is it like actor led like character led like it's 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 both it's I mean it, it's it's so it star it's about Walking Phoenix um who is suffering from like a depression kind of. Uh, suicidal tendencies um and his mom is played by isabella rossellini and uh he um starts to um kind of fall for this girl that lives close by um played by gwyneth paltrow um but she's like seeing someone but they start kind of hanging out and then he also kind of starts hanging out with this girl that his mom kind of sets him up with and then mm-hmm. it be, kind of becomes these two girls that he's like interested in and I don't want to give anything away but it's 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 an interesting film it's really good though yeah, yeah it sounds cool but yeah dude the new walking phoenix film by Lynn Ramsey uh, looks so fucking dope which I cannot one, you wait were never that. really here yeah. yeah dude but they it was going to come out in November but they pushed it to February of 18 2018 now Mother effer. Yeah, dude. I I was because I I I did a Facebook post on it and I said this is going to be my favorite film of the of the year, hands down. <laughs> like I just knew it was going to be. But then, but then it then it then they they fucking moved it to 2018. So it might be my favorite film of 2018. Which is weird. Uh, what's the movie? It's called You Are Never Really Here. That's weird because Walking Phoenix. In? Yeah, dude. He plays a guy that. Um, gets hired to kill uh, people that uh, kidnap kids to, for pedophiles and shit. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude, it's Super dope. dark. Yeah. Um, but it said it showed at Cannes in May 27, 2017 and received a seven-minute standing ovation. Yeah. So I wonder what they wanted to change. 
Oh, he's crazy. And it's like 89 minutes long. He's like super precise and super. So what do they want to change? Like, I want to see the can I, I, version. I, 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 I think it is. I think what you. I think what we will see is the, the, the the can version. They just didn't except want for to some compete. of the audio. Oh. The, I guess the the audio mix wasn't completely finished. But um, but that's what everybody talked about was how great the sound was. The, the I guess the editing and the sound mix was like phenomenal. So um, probably they just didn't oh, want to compete. The, that and probably they. They probably just wanted to get more money or something to 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 get the more uh, marketing because Joaquin Phoenix won the Best Actor prize oh, for it, which is a huge huge award at the Cannes Film Festival, and it also won it actually tied um, for Best Script at the Cannes Film Festival as well. So it won two awards, which what that's did it pretty tie good. With? Wow! It was t- it was tied with. Uh, um, Oh God! It, uh, it was a French film, I believe, which actually also looks really good. It, it stars the lady who stars in the ha- Handmaiden's Tale, I think. Uh, um, sure. But yeah, I forget the name of that movie. I'm trying to see. Okay, here's the awards. So, well, uh, you were never really here. Is also directed by a woman. Yeah, Lynn Ramsey, dude. Is she so? Yeah. Is she so good? Like she did. We need to talk about Kevin, which uh, again was like one of the best films of that year I think that was 2011 such a good fucking movie so we should watch that instead of uh, instead of Keith uh, for Keith's podcast <laughs> what episode. was it called? we need to talk about Kevin oh <laughs> dude it's such a good movie I, I uh, Keith actually would really like that movie really? Maybe we should, yeah maybe dude, we should do it's a really and, it's, and, it's, it's a really good movie dude it's Tilda Swinton dealing oh, with her kid that from ever since he was born has an issue with her and then at the end of the movie you realize what has happened it's it's an interesting movie oh, I, can't, interesting. I, I don't want to give it away but it's wow. really good dude Sofia Coppola won best director yeah for the beguiled yeah really it's, yeah I want to see that that looks good it's pretty good it's pretty good it's it's definitely a Sofia Coppola film she definitely changed <gasps> Do you know uh, who she tied with for best screenplay? Is it the Killing of the Sacred Deer? Yes, okay. dude. I, I, I was like, it's either the Killing of the Sacred Deer or the other, the other. I can't believe that one best of. screenplay. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. That's awesome. I would but have loved they, to read they that. They love Yorgos Lanthimos at the Cannes Film Festival, so because he's which fuck, is great. He's awesome, dude. He's yeah, so awesome. So I, yeah, dude, I can't wait for this movie. Diane Kruger won best actress. Yeah, that movie looks really good too. It In sounds very, very. Uh, Sad, which uh, and based on a true story, I believe too. So I'm reading it here. Palm d'Or was the Square by Ruben Oslin. Oslin. Oh, that's the one starring the Handmaid's Tale chick. That's oh okay. Yeah, okay. Grand Prix was Beats Per Minute. Um, oh, that that looked pretty good too. What is that? Drama film? Huh, okay. I think it's French. Yeah. Most of them are dramas. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. Best Director, Sofia Coppola for The Beguiled. Best Screenplay, Yorgos Lanthimos and Ephthemis Philippou for The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Lynn Ramsey, You Were Never Really Here. Which is cool because I really want to see both those movies. Yeah. Uh, so to see them tied like that. Best Actress, Diane Kruger for In the Fade. Best Actor, Joaquin Phoenix for You Were Never Really Here. Jury Prize was Loveless by Andres Vag- Vagansev. 
That's gotten a lot of good critic reviews too. Has it? I've never heard. It's funny because I like haven't heard of like any of these. <laughs> Henri Pomdior <laughs> was Jeffrey Katzenberg. Seventieth anniversary prize, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, she was kind of the honoree of the of the mm-hmm. festival this year. Yeah, she, and is a part of that too. Is she had two films at, at, in competition. Yeah, <laughs> killing him with sacred yeah, yeah, which is impressive. And she's in the beguiled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just such a fucking can film festival nerd, dude. Like that month before and during the Cannes Film Festival, I live on that fucking site. I listen to every single press <laughs> conference, every interview. Like, I, like, live on that thing for that. Yeah. So, what's the uncertain regard? So, that's basically, like, like, it's not, it's official selection. Like, it's, it, it the, the, there's a jury for it. Mm. Um, but it's a separate jury from the jury that's picking the Palm d'Or okay. um, winner but it's basically like it's almost like uh, like these are like runner ups in a way oh um, okay but not quite like that like it's 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 very prestigious to be in the uncertain okay. regard um uh Wind River was in it yeah it's like in a lot of like I think um there, you'd be surprised on how many really good films have been in that section, um, it, and I think the Disaster Artist might have been in there too. Uh, I don't see it in here anymore. Oh shit! Maybe it was. I think it, it was like a something. different one. Yeah, it might have been like TIFF or Venice yeah. or something. Fuck. But um, yeah. So like, there's the earns. There's the official. There's official selection, which comprises of the of the in competition section mm-hmm. and then there's the Unsetain Regard and that consists of the official selection and that, and also the opening and closing films as well um, that all consists of official selection like uh, Death Proof was official selection oh, nice. Unsetain Regard which is interesting I feel like Tarantino is almost just automatic at this point yeah yeah like it's kind of hard yeah. to, same with like Woody Allen and yeah. um, some of those guys that you know once you win the Palm or once, like, you're kind of just grandfathered in the yeah. rest of the time. And, uh, what's, yeah. <laughs> what's, and what's interesting is, like, Scorsese doesn't, though. You know? Has he? He's uh, won, though, right? Yeah, he won for Taxi Driver. But, oh, okay. but he his films haven't really been into the Cannes. I mean, I think the last film that I can remember that went to the Cannes Film Festival was The Last Temptation of Christ. Mm. Wow. You know? It, mm. and, I, and I think that was... I, I think it was in... Uh, official section, but I don't know if it was in competition. Maybe he doesn't care. I don't think he really cares. But it, it is interesting that he's such a huge filmmaker and so renowned yeah. internationally. But yet he's, you know, his he doesn't choose. I mean, like if the Departed went to the Cannes Film Festival, it would have done really well. You know, yeah. like No Country for Old right. Men did. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Well, so in your opinion, what's the the top three film festivals to watch if you're gonna like if you're gonna go pay, if you're gonna pay attention to like film festivals what are your top three so for me it would be Cannes Film Festival okay. Telluride Film Festival Telluride yeah and uh probably I would guess Toronto it's it's, right? it's big but I but just because of like the history behind it either Venice or Berlin Venice yeah I, I, I wanna say Berlin because they play weirder films. Okay. So like they played like Trash Humpers nice. and shit like that. So they 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 they're different 
from because Venice and Toronto are going to be playing the same movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, they they actually share a same weekend too. Oh, Toronto just goes a little longer. Oh. Uh, apparently, there is a quote unquote big three film festivals. I did not know this. Oh um, yeah, what are they? I'm trying to look here. It's probably Can Toronto and and and. Sundance or Sundance. I'll give you one more guess. Oh, Sundance is a one. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. popular one. I'll give you one more guess. So it's probably it's probably Cannes, Toronto, Venice. You got two. Maybe I'll give Berlin. you a guess on one more. New York. No, you you said a Berlin. It's actually just all European ones. Cannes, okay. Berlin, and Venice are wow. considered the oh, okay. the three most prestigious film yeah. festivals. Because both because all three of those have just gone on so long. Mm-hmm. But Toronto is becoming huge, and I think a part of that though is they're they're focusing a lot on um, red carpets for Toronto, which Telluride um, do- doesn't do. Doesn't right? Okay. Which makes it a little bit more prestigious in the sense of they're pickier on selection, but they're dr- because they're drawing it on purely on the film, not because of oh we're able to get you know ben affleck to walk the carpet you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah uh, which ben affleck actually likes to go to tell right because there is a thing like carpet like right. everybody else they like to go to that one um, um so this is some interesting little factoids about film festivals so the toronto international film festival tiff is north america's most popular festival um Time wrote it had grown from its place as the most influential fall film festival to the most influential film festival period. Seattle International Film Festival is credited as being the largest film festival in the U.S. Yeah, because it takes... I I think it's the longest, Yeah, because it's over a month long. Showing over 400 films in a month across the city. Um, Sundance... Maybe both largest and longest, then. Probably, uh, huh. So Sundance, Tribeca, Austin, New York, Montreal. Uh, South by Southwest has become pretty big too. Yeah, and apparently Vancouver. Oh yeah, uh, are all major festivals as well. It's it's weird um, because Toronto, Telluride, and Venice all happen within the same two weeks. That's weird. Yeah. Hmm. That's a yeah. In some years, weird. they all overlap. Yeah, it's interesting because I know when I went to Telluride for a couple times, like, they, like literally, um, James Gray and um, some of these guys had f- t- flown to Telluride directly from Venice. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and Dennis Quaid was drunk because <laughs> he'd been drinking on the plane. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. It was crazy. It was so funny. But like. Um, <laughs> Ben Affleck had done the same thing too. He had he had flown from, uh, well, he was at uh, Telluride, and then he was going to fly directly to Toronto. So he was only in town for like you know two days or whatever, and then he was wow. going to go to Toronto. So um, if you're an independent film person, Telluride, Sundance, Austin, Austin South by Southwest, New York, uh, the New York City's Tribeca, and Slam Dance are kind of where yeah. you want to be looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like do particular ones, like if you do kind of sci-fi or horror, yeah. then like there's Fantastic Fest and there's a some billion other film festivals yeah. out there. There's a lot of them for all sorts of niche, like yeah. niches or whatever. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, right. Uh, so, do you guys want to say anything on North by Northwest? Like, oh yeah, that hasn't been said already by 
you know, film historians across the world. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess one thing that I thought was pretty cool that I started noticing right away was it's like a, it's like a James Bond movie. In a way, I yeah. mean, like it—it's like the character, which I wasn't—I was very surprised about this because I thought it was a, just I was expecting like an Alfred Hitchcock thriller. Like this is the first like, time, like yeah, mm. first time. Okay, which which oh, which, wow. which is weird Same. for me because I I I have seen almost every Hitchcock film. Like, uh, so it's I was weird really, that I, you hadn't seen this one. I know this is yeah. So like probably is one of his best films. I think people one of his say most it's his famous. best film. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's just really weird that I I I think a part of it is I just been pushing off on it because I, I I love Hitchcock movies so much that I don't want to see them all in a in a span of you know two months or whatever it is. You know, I like to try and like oh I still have one left to see. You know, <laughs> um, so I I I wasn't expecting the humor. There was so much yeah. humor in this movie. Yeah, there was a ton. Yeah, he's like this kind of this wisecracking guy, and I wasn't expecting that. So he comes, he came off to me as this kind of this James Bond, you know, character because he's you know this kind of older, good-looking guy that all the women are fawning over. Like there's that scene where he's like, you know, running through this lady's apartment or whatever or is yeah, it, he and, comes through the window yeah and she yeah. like literally is like she just like basically she doesn't know who he is or nothing and she's just like you can stay you know yeah like, <laughs> yeah no he, co- he comes in and she's like stop like all scared because it's like a someone coming into the apartment and then he starts to leave and she's like stop, stop. yeah <laughs> it was like it was like holy shit you know and like and just the stuff that he would say um, and then his his hair is always immaculate. He's always yeah. wearing like really nice clothes. They're never dirty, no. um, dude. They're always dirty though. Oh, they do get dirty. I guess actually, they, get dirty. Yeah. they do get dirty. But like they're pretty dirty. But like in the next scene though, it's not like he's like looking bad, you know? Right. For, somehow his hair looks the same. Right. He must have right. a really good cream that he uses to keep like a you know or gel or. Yeah, uh, yeah, Dapper Dan's uh, pomade. No, um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, that adver- advertising hair for sure. <laughs> but like that's something that I I found interesting. And then when I was reading up on it, like I guess um, his gray suit that he wears is considered to be the most famous and iconic suit in film history. Wow, which I thought was interesting because you you would think that James Bond's suits yeah. would be, um, but I guess. Um, you know, James Bond suit in uh, Spectre, the gray one that he wears, and the gray suits um, that other characters and stuff in, in, you know, famous movies are all based on this film. Oh, uh, wow. Which is kind of who, who determined that this was the uh, most famous suit? I guess it was uh, like GQ did a poll or something. Oh, okay. They did a poll and people were like, "This is the best suit in in cinema history." Yeah, yeah, that's what I read. Weird. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can, I, I can see it though because it's 1959. It's before James Bond, and here's fucking you know Cary Grant, right? Who was a huge name in a Hitchcock movie? Who at this time was pretty much at the height of his powers. I mean, this was the year before fucking Psycho. You know, like, yeah. like his rise there was just getting more and more and more and more. Um, 
you know, I think it peaked at the birds and then, you know, which was like what, 62, something like that, 62, sure. 61. Um, so like, I think for the, for the people that were probably watching movies, you know, even from like seventies to the nineties, even mm-hmm. probably remember this, his, 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 you know, this movie. Um, so I'm looking here and <clears throat> there's a, a lot of lists apparently about the best suits in the movie <laughs> in movies. Uh, I'm going to go with so Esquire. Weird. Wait, what were you saying? I just said, that's so weird that people do that, but I guess it, I guess it makes sense. I, yeah. Well, yeah. Cause fashion. I mean, fashion, dude, people live and breathe yeah, fashion. Fashion is a huge thing. That's true. Okay. Yeah, so I can like the dirty suit from North by Northwest. <laughs> that's what I want. So here's a top ten, I guess. Uh, number ten is Richard Gere in American Gigolo. Oh yeah. Um, nine <laughs> is Robert De Niro in Casino. Uh, Robert Redford in The Great Gatsby. Steve McQueen in The Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, he looked pretty dapper in that movie. That's pretty. That's yeah. Marcello Mastroianni in Eight and a Half. I don't know, Marcello... Is Marcello Mastrioni. Yeah. Mastrioni? Oh, Mastrioni, yeah, that sounds right. Which I saw part of that movie a long time ago, but I really need to actually Eight and half is and good. watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. you can tell Derek... You, when you watch any Terry Gilliam film, you know that he likes Eight and a Half. <laughs> uh, Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca is number five. Oh, yeah, not surprising there. Michael Caine in Get Carter. Uh, Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. Sean Connery in Goldfinger. And, of course, Cary Grant in North by Northwest. Oh, wow. So he, he did make it. Number one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's that's so interesting because I feel like it's it's not just about the suit here. It's about the character. It's about the actor that's portraying the character. It's about how the character is written in the script. Like, I feel like there's a lot more going into it than just the suit. Certainly. Yeah, I think... I, think, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think all those movies all those characters and and the guys that are wearing them they're 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 uh, they were all like you know sex icons you know robert redford oh, I mean, no, come totally, on you know yeah. jack nicholson um uh Carrie still Grant. have it yeah you know they, like see <laughs> you know michael Caine was very you know especially in you know britain and europe was a very you know absolutely kind of like the the English Robert Redford, you know, like absolutely, yeah. It, it, the, the, these are all guys that you. It's not just about the suit for sure. Like it's about the connotation or the, not the connotation, the the relationship that the movie has with with the with the the, the character and the clothes mm-hmm. that they wear. Yeah, I don't know how to describe that. They even but. give him a specific line about his suit. He like he double checks to make sure that they grabbed his suit. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, and then he, yeah. he even asks um, Eve St. Marie about uh, when he's dressed up as the luggage carrier when he gets off the train. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, which which one? Where which case has my suit in it or whatever? Exactly, right. and then <laughs> like the suit becomes a plot device, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it's it's more than just what they're wearing. Yeah, it's, it actually plays a role in it. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's cool that in North by Northwest, I I haven't seen all those other films, but like like what Keith said, that it is like kind of used for the plot, and it really it really highlights the suit. And I wonder if that's why it's on the list in the first place as a contender, is because people are actually thinking like 
about the suit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think also, too, the fact that it's this kind of light gray color, I think, is kind of unique. I mean, I, I honestly can't think of many films that have, like, an actor wearing, like, a kind of a, a gray suit like that. Um, I mean, the only one that I could think of is Daniel Craig in Spectre. Yeah. Um, James I, Bond is on the list, yeah. generally. Um, but I, I there's so many things about this movie that I really liked. I really... I love the matte paintings that were used, especially towards the end of the movie, that Frank Lloyd Wright-inspired house that they used. I guess all the exteriors were all matte paintings, and then the interiors were all... um, were all uh, made on a set. Yeah, But, like, some of those cuts, though, they look pretty fucking real. Like, like the way the, the light from the inside of the house looks, like, on the rocks and the trees that were all matte paintings looked fucking real. Like I was like, holy shit. Like in the, 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 the way the blue light reflected on his face and the way the blue light was like off the water and stuff, like on the thing, like it looked like it matched, like yeah. they did such a good job mm-hmm. with that. Um, totally. And then like the Rushmore. At yeah. The end. Yeah. It's some of those shots at the Rushmore thing. I could really tell that they were matte paintings, but then there were other scenes like you'd be like, Oh, I can definitely tell that's a matte painting, but then it would cut and it would be something like, Holy shit, that looks fucking mm-hmm. real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was really impressed by that. And I could, and I, and I was watching it on HD. So if I had seen just a regular DVD or, if I had seen it probably projected on film, it probably would have looked even better, you know, yeah. on just, you know, quality-wise. But Right, um, right. I also really liked how this film was in the full, uh, like, 16 by 9 yeah, yeah. ratio, too. I guess it was this one of, the second of only two films made in VistaVision by MGM. Oh, nice. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I well. really actually really enjoyed this film a lot, and I, from all the kid shock that I have seen, it's probably my favorite one. Because, like, what I liked most about it was like, it just got going right away. The yeah. inciting incident happened like two minutes in, and yeah. then it's like, <laughs> it's just like he gets caught up in it, and he, that's it. Like, yeah. and then. Right, right to the very end, you know, and yeah. then they do that cut where he's like trying to reach out for her, and then you just actually pulling her onto the bed. Yeah, I thought that was a super unique way to end it. Yeah, but really cool. I was I wasn't expecting it, and then it's like it, it just it's like this sexual shot of this train penetrating the tunnel, yeah. and then it just yeah. fucking it just ends, yeah. and you're like. Oh shit! Yeah. It's fucking dirty dog. Like, hey. I didn't even think about that. Dude. That's totally true. Yeah, that's They're... like that's how I took it. I was like, "Fuck, man!" Like that's yeah. that's pretty raunchy because it was so quick. It was like this quick cut. Yeah. It was like boom, boom. You're like, oh, and that's oh. the last shot of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, what yeah. a sly bitch, yeah, dude. dude. Like he was like a horny <laughs> motherfucker. I swear, yeah. that guy was a the creep. whole the whole movie is very raunchy for it is very raunchy. Yeah, and like he's yeah. like talking about how like. You know, it's talking to about the Eve Saint Marie's character of being like this like slut basically, and then he's like, "Yeah, oh, I've said these terrible things about you. I'm so sorry." And, and <laughs> like when he finds out that it like really wasn't the case, yeah. you know, it's just so like, right. It was so dated, but yet I was like, "Holy shit! I can't believe he's actually talking about this like in the dialogue of the movie for right? 1959." Right. <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't believe his, but I also couldn't believe her dialogue too. Oh like, yeah. Just how the way she's talking to him, I was just like, "Whoa, this is like, she's like going for it." Oh, and they even you know? say like, he's like, uh, "What is? How did he phrase it? It was like, 
yeah, I always have, when I talk to a beautiful woman, I always have to act like I don't want to make love to her. And she's like, well, what if you didn't have to act that way? Like, yeah. So like, it was like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Hey buddy. She was very like kind of straightforward and like, she didn't like, like you could tell like sex wasn't something that she was going to play, uh, coy to, you know, like she was like, she, she, she knew what she wanted too. She was also hired to do that or or coerced to do it. It's still, it's still like for, for that time, it was like kind of shocking for me to see it, you know? Yeah. There was actually a trivia thing that I read that was really cool about a a line that she, um, oh yeah. Okay. It says Eva Marie, Marie Saint had to redub a particular line during post-production to satisfy censors. The original line was. I never make love on an empty stomach, but was changed to I never discuss love on an empty stomach, mm. which is super interesting. interesting. And it says yet, yeah. And then it says yet the final scene. Oh wait, what is this? Yet the final scene after she and Carrie Grant are embracing on the upper berth shows a train entering a tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Oh man, how to work around the censors one hundred and one Hitchcock masterclass. <laughs> um, yeah, because like uh, those are the s- same thing. And in, in the context of the conversation, they're they're pretty much the same. Certainly, thing, you know? certainly. Yeah. It, it reminded yeah. me of the opening of um, Doctor Strange Love, where the the bomber is getting refueled by the by oh, the yeah. other plane and the the gas. Uh, I don't even know what you call it because it's all like they're flying while it's happening. So it's like it's like two birds having sex, but it's these two planes. One is this refueling <laughs> the other one. That's funny, yeah. Um, and it's like this. In in the song is this famous um love song from the 50s or early 60s and it's just like oh my god kubrick (laughs) you're awesome um i kind of want to look at this list of so this is uh it's kind of going back to our like uh discussion of the suits and stuff this is a list made by Esquire again, of the best-dressed film characters of all time. Oh, shit. I love the very last one. This is great. (laughs) So (laughs) these are in no particular order. Um, So number one is Thomas in Blow Up, uh, the film Blow Up, so David Hemmings. Oh, yeah. Um, That's such a good movie. I just got that on Criterion Blu-ray. So good. Uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho. Oh, of course. (laughs) Patrick Mm. Bateman. Uh, we said this Steve McQueen in the Thomas Crown Affair Richard Roundtree in Shaft so John Shaft <laughs> hell yeah, yeah. Pimpin <laughs> you know dude yeah. he's dapper as fuck uh, Woody Allen and Annie Hall <laughs> really? that's weird I think what that's surprising it yeah, is and that that is. W- this is what they say um, everyone's favorite New York nebbish isn't the first guy who comes to mind when you think about high fashion but few filmmakers have influenced the personal style of nerds and cinephiles the world over more than Woody Allen uh-huh. whose most famous creation Alvy Singer wears everything from easygoing sport coats to chambray shirts with the kind of unstudied ease we'd all wa- do well to emulate oh shit um, Jude Law and the talented Mr. Ripley uh, he, did, he did look pretty good in that movie uh, James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, classic leather jacket. Yeah. Cary Grant in North by Northwest. Uh, Colin Firth in A Single Man. Uh, see, that's Tom Ford, man. Tom Ford, that, yeah. Uh, he knew he knows how to dress people. That's just, well, he's in fashion. So yeah. He's the same guy who did Nocturnal Animals. Uh, Richard Gere in American Gigolo. Tom Le- Leung 
in in the mood for love oh tony lung yeah tony lung why yeah. did i say tom tony lung yeah uh alan rickman and die hard oh hell yeah <laughs> nice um jean paul belmondo in breathless okay so michelle picard uh michael douglas in wall street Dude, humphrey yeah, bogart in casablanca daniel day lewis in the age of innocence uh, seventeen is Jamie Fox and Django Unchained. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> it better be the blue suit that he's it's, wearing. It's funny because yeah. they don't show the picture of the blue oh, suit, man. but that's definitely why. Um, Sean Connery and Goldfinger. Uh, Christian Bale in The Dark Knight. And I'm gonna. Oh, give he's you, made the list twice. In the list twice, and I'm gonna give you guys each one guess or two or whatever from of the last film of this list is, is it, i'm guessing it's funny like it's a funny pick. i think it's, it's funny I, it's not funny but i think it's funny is it is it surprising or it is kind of surprising it's it's strangely iconic and it's new a newer costume let's uh last shit when did that come out I'm gonna yeah, say the last five like years. A, last five years? Within the last five years, it's it's considered. I was gonna say like Heath Ledger's Joker, but it, that's not five years. No. Fuck. Yeah, that's beyond five. Last I think five it, years. I think it came out in 2010, but I can't remember. Uh, that would so be seven last, years. Last seven years. Yeah, I'm gonna say the last <laughs> five. And it's um, oh. it's a movie you both know. Fuck. And there's an uh, a symbol that's iconic. Oh, like why? Oh, 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 oh! I know it. I know it. I don't. Oh, in the last six I, years, I, I know. I know it. I, I, I totally know it. You this do is. know it for sure. Should I, we I give know, Jacob the I, first guess? I know it for sure. It's. Oh, you do know it. Yeah, so I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him guess. <laughs> you know the film. In fact, Gosh, we've talked about know. this film before. Not give me not as a movie we picked, J- but Jacob we talked about it. Jacob can get this if he if he if he. I know he can. It comes okay, up on so the podcast quite a bit. I'm like oh, giving you me. like the perfect hints right now, like too much information. It's not a. Uh... Oh my gosh! I, I wish I you, we just need to play Jeopardy over the, this part. It's it's funny because read the read the the exact title of the list again. I think I, maybe I just got to hear it again. Uh, the best dressed film characters of all time, or the best best. Best dressed film it, characters of all time. Yeah, only male, only male. Surprisingly, it's only male. Yeah, dude. I, I, okay. This is Esquire, though. It's, it's actually really iconic now. This 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 character and the best way the they best. they the way they're dressed. It's it's it's. Is it a Tarantino movie? No. Okay. Um. Gosh, is it a? Think, have we done it on the podcast? No. No. We talked about doing it. But we it. talk about it. We considered doing it. It's for not a uh, it's not it's not drive. It is drive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so <laughs> stupid. It is. Yeah, nice. I said it's not drive. Yeah. It can't be drive. Uh, Ryan Gosling and Drive for well, the Scorpion suit. It's funny cuz that Yeah, that makes sense. That Scorpion jacket. It's it's interesting though that um it's not drive slash uh 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 Beyond Demon. Uh, not Lucifer Rising. It's the one before that. The um, Rising. No, uh, it's Kenneth Anger's film. Oh, um, Scorpio Rising. Scorpio Rising. 
Uh, oh no, it is Lucifer rising. No, Scorpio rising. It's Scorpio rising. It says uh, it's borrowed from his Scorpio rising. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that it that they didn't list both of those as like the same. You know, like because I think more people know Scorpio about rising. more people know about Drive than Kenneth Anger. True. Yeah, but but he's such a big fan of Kenneth Anger. Right. So it's exactly. Like, you know, that's why he did it. But I just love that that kind of rounds oh, out this. Yeah, list. that is awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and it's totally iconic. Like, if you saw that jacket, you'd be like, yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah. Which is that's interesting because, jacket. like, yeah. he always wanted to make a superhero film, and he he did, yeah. in a way, you know, so... Yeah, no, he kind of did what he wanted. Uh, all right, so I think this is an easy question, but uh, which movie? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, should, should we guess? <laughs> Yeah, let's go around the table and slowly explain why we think each person picked which movie. I'm going to go with Home Sweet Home. Clearly <laughs> the uh, better movie. Wait, I was going to guess Home Sweet Home for you. I was gonna oh, guess perfect. That. Yeah, that's totally my type of movie. <laughs> like, just shitty B-horror. <laughs> is it even B-horror? No. I don't think it is. It's like D-horror. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like D. Or E-horror. Yeah, because even the gore was it. There's not even that much gore no, in the wasn't. movie at all. And, like, and the gore, the gore isn't very good. No. In true slasher <laughs> form, though, really, like, yeah, you yeah. know, slashers aren't necessarily supposed to be or ever really were gory until more like modern movies. Yeah. Uh, sure. It was just blood. Yeah, basically, yeah. there's like some blood on the windshield. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When he, it doesn't come off when you pose it. When he, when he runs <laughs> over the old lady, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Crossing the that street. That was funny. But you guys, you guys saw the shot where he's like trying to hose it off. Like not. Hose it off <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like a syrup-based uh, blood or something. So ridiculous. Uh, no, I mean we picked that movie just to like, or at least I guess I ended up picking that movie because. I think I thought it would just be fun to do kind of like a crappy B thing yeah. for Thanksgiving, and it's funny because it does take place on Thanksgiving, but they don't ever reference it. They pull out a turkey, and that's about it. Yeah, right. And there's a point where one guy had to find peas. Like, who has peas on Thanksgiving? That's a weird. <laughs> yeah. Like just just peas. Yeah, you know that's the, that's a weird thing. The only thing that was Thanksgiving about it was the turkey, and that was about it. It is yeah, which yeah. the little girl eats. Entirely. You think she's dead under, under the table, but she's actually just munching on the turkey like oh, a dog. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, that scene was actually pretty funny where you see her legs and you're like, oh, yeah. I was like, yes, they killed the kid. And then <laughs> and then I was like, oh. <laughs> of course you. Yeah, we yeah. can't go that far. Classic yeah. B-Ryan. <laughs> I, I, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, I, I, I was going to say, uh, one thing that I, because like I Googled like Thanksgiving films and just. And found North by Northwest as a Thanksgiving film. So I was like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. I didn't know that it was one. And after watching it, I was like... How is how it? Is the, I still don't, like, I still don't get it. I still, but I have the answer. I have the answer. Um, so there, this only happens because people love this movie. And this is the only reason why this exists. But apparently on one of the documents in the film, it says what date it is. No way. Um, yeah, November 23rd. Like 1949, I think, or something like that. Holy shit. Um, and apparently, November 25th of that year was Thanksgiving. So, therefore, um, 
because that happens at the very beginning of the film and the film takes place over a few days, it is Thanksgiving for at least a part of the of the film. Wow. Um, he got so he, that is why it's a Thanksgiving film. <laughs> when he when he got laid, that's that's that was Thanksgiving. Yeah, that was, he got yeah, he got the <laughs> They were both thankful the, for each other. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, exactly. Oh, these are some interesting little trivia things about North by Northwest. Yes. Apparently, Cary Grant had no idea what was going on while filming. He found the screenplay baffling. It, it, Cary Grant was also in another Hitchcock film where the same thing was like that. It, uh, to Catch a Thief, I think it was called. Oh, okay. um, and I, I guess he was just kind of like, "Oh, Hitchcock knows what he's doing. I, it, you know, I, I trust him, but I don't really know what's going on." But I think it also. <laughs> I think it also caused some trouble on set with, um, was it Ju- 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 uh, Julie Christie or whatever her name is? Um, that was in that, in, in to catch, to catch, no, Grace Kelly, I think, to, in To Catch a Thief. But, hmm. uh, it, yeah. Another weird thing, um, about North by Northwest was, oh, god damn it. Fuck. Spoke too soon. Shit, lost it. God damn well, it. Well, here, I, I have a correction. So it was the United States Intelligence Agency's newspaper. All right, I'm sorry. A date on the newspaper. It says the date as Tuesday, November 25th, 1958. Um, So, yeah, so November 27th of that year is Thanksgiving Day. Oh, But they, uh, they never mentioned the holiday at all. I'm sure it was like an arbitrary choice of some kind. Uh, totally. And then it was just like... Oh shit! That's Thanksgiving. Like after they printed the paper and filmed it, or maybe they never realized it, and then it was later. It was just like, huh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, some film that's, nerds kind of comb through the movie. Yeah, right. Because someone had to go through and was like looking at that day for like uh, significant, you, you know, to see if it was significant. In right. Way, you know, like for this to be the day, and they were just like, oh, Thanksgiving. You know, totally. Sure that's gonna happen. Dude. I- Man, there's so much to love about North by Northwest. Like, all the acting was good, I thought. Like, yeah. Martin Lando as the one of the, the creepy um, henchmen. Is he Leonard? Yeah, Leonard. He, yeah, <laughs> so good. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I, he, he, his, his, his role was just awesome. And I had never seen him in such a small role. All the movies that I had seen him in before were, you know, where he's, he's like a prominent character, you know? Um, I mean, he's prominent in this movie, but he's not. He's not playing like one of the big guys on the ti- you know on a title card. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but yeah, dude, and, and like the cinematography, I thought was just fucking exceptional. Totally, the way the skin tone was, as the skin tones were, and like all the shots. Like, mm-hmm. I there was even that shot that um towards the end of the film where after uh eva saint marie uh shoots um carrie grant uh but it ends up being a fake bullet and then they they kind of reconvene in the woods and she's kind of upset and stuff and i think it's after that scene and she she's like kind of she embraces him or whatever there's like the way the lighting is is so unnatural Mm -hmm. it doesn't match what comes before after it but it fucking works and it's like that glamour lighting yeah it's a little like everything's yeah. a little like not fuzzy but it's a little blurred a little soft soft and yeah. and 
mm-hmm. but it just fucking works. It's like little things like that that I really like and appreciate when Hitchcock's films and his like camera movement um, is just like Spot impeccable. On. There, there, there's not yeah. one shot in the whole fucking movie that's shaky. You know, like it's like except for the kind of when they're doing that tracking shot with uh, when the plane's coming in. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are a little... Which, there's a few things about the movie that did bother me. Like, if there was anything... Like, the fact... Like, Cary Grant is literally fucking standing there as the fucking oil tank truck is coming at him. And then he, like, lays down at the last minute so that it doesn't hit him. It's like, dude, it's the dumbest thing. Nobody would ever do that they no. would they would get out of the way. they would get out of the way yeah exactly like yeah. it was is i was i just couldn't buy that and there was something else that he did that was very similar to that that i'm like really um i kind of wish they would have explained who he was or cuz obviously the whole movie's about mistaken identity but like apparently he had some sort of training because when he's like reconning the house at, towards the end yeah. and he's climbing up the fucking like whatever scaffold like the iron bars yeah. under the house like <laughs> right. and he just like always knows what to do perfectly yeah. like he has that like coin that yeah. he pulls out and chucks at the window or whatever exactly. yeah, yeah. there's there so many little things about this movie that I love though because I love I liked all those little details I was like fuck like they had to write that into the script and mm-hmm. you know I know Hitchcock was very is was really well known for having everything storyboarded before so much so that even though he didn't storyboard it beforehand some of them he had his artists storyboard them after the film was done so wow. that in records later, it looked like, oh, yeah, he was a master. He had everything wow. storyboarded beforehand, even though it wasn't really true. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, I, I liked seeing all those little details and, you know, just like the little fun little gags in the film, too. Like the, the fact that he has to be stowed away in the train yeah. um, in that little, you know, cabinet. But then, like, it... Like, and on just all the the dialogue things, like, I thought it was funny when he's, like, you know, he's in this perilous situation. He's hanging on the, on, you know, Mount Rushmore, and, and then she's, like, she's, like, so why did you, why did you get your two ex-wives, like, leave you? And yeah. he's, like, you know, I lived a boring yeah. life or something. And, like, you know, it's, like, just stupid yeah. shit like that. But it's, like, but yet it's entertaining. Like, totally. I, I don't know. Totally, yeah. No, yeah, it was for sure. It was a great I, I movie, be, uh, and like oh, I said, yeah. one of my favorite from Hitchcock's from the ones that I've seen. Uh, mostly just because, like, as much as I would like some backstory, it doesn't need it. Yeah, the, yeah. it just to get into it and just yeah. to like keep the pacing as well as it was. Like, that's fine. Yeah, it, it works. Like, it's kind of like this weird film where like it just goes boom 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 yeah. and bernard herman scores in it and then all of a sudden his whole score is completely cut out and of that whole scene uh, with the plane the infamous mm-hmm. yeah. crop plane chasing him there's no score to that which i was like super surprised about because i knew of that scene mm-hmm. it's like super iconic um but i had never seen it before so like I, i'm watching it and i'm like there's no fucking music to this it's crazy. Right. Like, and I just, I knew that Bernard Herman did the soundtrack and that him and Hitchcock have a super infamous, you know, it's like Sergio Leone and Ennio Morricone. I mean, it's like this collaboration that everybody knows of. Um, yet this super iconic scene doesn't even have a score to it until 
everything explodes and mm-hmm. then the, everything yeah. comes in and you're like oh shit like i i, I there's so much stuff about this movie that i was surprised on um, I know we could do like a full, yeah, yeah. full long episode of just the movie. It was just you know. ah, so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I might. Have- well, there's a, there's a, there's a couple things I wanted to shout out too. There was the the, um, gosh, the the drunk driving scene. Was, oh, yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, even like just like this, and it's so simple. And I think it even still kind of holds up today. I mean, it's oh, just definitely like holds up. The just with the line the the transparency of the shot but just like glued together you know uh or like you know it's just like dissolved onto itself and 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 just cross dissolves into another shot and it's like man that feels like that's what drunk driving would be like yeah that's like that's what it would look like i'm just like i just i'm buying it you know i bought that and um you know it's just like all these tiny little details like it feels like hitchcock is just on top of his game with his characters his jokes and all the little technical things that he does gorgeously absolutely um everything is just like top notch and you know it still comes with like the negative things that you go with hitchcock you know like uh like pretty like characters that are really interesting but you for some reason you can't really connect with them yeah you're still like on the journey with them. <laughs> yeah yeah you know but like for some reason you like don't really like any of them but you kind of like them at the same time i don't know it's like this weird thing and and the whole mystery of of the entire thing and how when when things are decided to 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 like tell the like when the audience learns something versus when a character learns something or Mm -hmm. or you know and just it was like perfectly perfectly balanced like all all those things were perfectly balanced and it just it felt like real nice real nice movie for sure (laughs) good job hitchy boy and then i uh i I was expecting you to talk about the saul bass um uh intro yeah the intro yeah i like the uh i do like the intro uh but um you know i thought it could have used like an angel at the beginning but uh God, uh, you know, damn it! Why did you add? Why did you point it out? Jesus why? Christ! <laughs> no, but I thought otherwise. Otherwise, I would have mentioned it. I thought That's that like... vibrant green at the very beginning was an interesting choice, but I liked it. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Actually, I watched this with uh, with Tiffany, and I and I was like, Tiff, just watch it. It's good. I've seen it before. It's it's old because uh, she's not really into super old movies. Like she is, but like kind of have to be like. Hey, like I know you were at work all day, but let's just give it a shot. You know, um, <laughs> did she like? So you got to kind of, uh, yeah, I think she liked it. But but when we turned it on and she saw the green, she was just like, ugh, <laughs> she, like, audibly was just like, like, ugh, gross. Like like it was like the nastiest thing. And like I'm sure it was really cool for the time, but like the black and white lion with the green thing, I think it's a choice, but. Uh, I, I think that design doesn't really uh, hold up. You know, it feels very MS Paint to me. It feels like yeah. an MS Paint thing. It's no Vertigo. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, Vertigo had Vertigo had that same thing. They had the same color. It. I know it they had, had a green, better. Like it had some green ghost, in the... like the ghost stuff, or not ghost stuff, like the green lighting. And, right. Yeah. And it, as, yeah. in that scene that where he's like fucking it's like that trippy fucking scene with yeah, all the colors tripping, and shit yeah. the green popped up yeah there. Um, yeah but yeah and that that feels like 
like Windows 97 screensaver, you know? So it's like, yeah. I know it's probably really cool for the time, uh, but, you know, it's just one of those things where it was like so new that it just doesn't, it just doesn't quite hold yeah, up, you know? Totally. But it, you can still appreciate it for its value in the time that it was uh, created. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I emailed my um, grandma uh, last night while I was watching the film because um, I, I remember she, you know, her and my grandma. Is that is that how you talk to your grandma? Email? A lot of the time. She she sent me an email. Um, I mean, like, she, she I, I, I call her, you know, talk on the phone too, but um, but she just likes you to. talk on the phone with your grandma? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird. But you yeah, don't text her grandma? Did you say talk or fuck? She she texts but she 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 prefers like <laughs> what? she prefers she prefers the, the the call. Um so yeah. She she prefers uh to, <laughs> did you say fuck? Well, I mean like you know they're they're just they're older so like they they're not Hold on, hold on, hold on, right. hold, on hold on. Who's the train and who's hold the on. tunnel? Hold on. <laughs> yeah, what did you say, Jacob? What word I, did I was, you use? I said you call your grandma. And then uh, you like, said you talk on the oh, phone. Oh, talk! Yeah, you talk on the phone. What did you think I said? You fuck on the phone? Uh, yeah. Oh, God. I thought you said, "Wait, what?" I was like, yeah, "What, that what would are be, you talking uh, about?" I if I thought that, I wouldn't have asked on the podcast. <laughs> I would have waited until <laughs> we were recording. Be like, "Hey, man, I got to talk to you." Yeah. No. So, so what's what's this thing? <laughs> so I no. So like I I was just she she had sent me an email saying, "Oh, hope you have a happy Thanksgiving." Blah blah blah. They, they had just traveled from their house in Oregon to their little place in Arizona so they were just letting me know that they got home safe and everything so I, I just I, hey you know I was watching North by North I'm watching North by Northwest by Alfred Hitchcock and you know she, she her and my grandpa were the ones that really got me into to movies because they had taped us all the, these old movies including Hitchcock um when I was really young so I kind of wanted to, to tell her that, you nice. know, and, and, and also because I hadn't seen this particular Hitchcock right. film. So, as you know, the, today, you know, at work, I during break, I checked my email and she had sent me another one. And she's like, oh, I love Hitchcock. And, you know, she was talking about it. And it just kind of put me into this, like, mode when I finished it up after work. You know, like, the, just the time that they lived in you know was around you know they were probably a little younger than my age now when that movie came out and yeah. uh her and my grandpa were were you know remember going to see they went and saw vertigo together mm-hmm. when it came out like and just having mm. that experience and kind of it just made me think about the movies that we see now that we love um that are going to look dated. There's going to be elements yeah. like the title cards or whatever that are going to look yeah, dated totally. years and oh, years yeah. from now. Um, sure. So I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting yeah. idea. But that, and then yeah. and I, f- I foresee a lot of this like 3D um, like topog- uh, typography. Is that how you say it? I don't think I've ever said that word out loud. Yeah. Um, typography where it's like I think some people call it like motionography. There's there's a lot of stuff I see nowadays where it's like that 3D and it's like tracked. Yeah, and I, I'm just like that is just not going to hold. Like I could already tell. Like it it seems flashy, but it really just looks like ass to me. Yeah, <laughs> you it, know, you have to. It has to be done really well. Yeah, it has to be done very very well. And there's a lot of it now that's not done well. And I'm hey, 
I'm not an expert. I don't know how to do that stuff well, so I just don't even do it. <laughs> you know? So well, uh, it's one of those things that you can just like find a fucking tutorial on and so anybody can do it. So now everyone is just doing it to make their right, videos the, flashier, flashier. Right, but flashier, but then like what ends up happening is like you have everybody doing the same exact yeah. like effects and it's like this just feels so cheap. And maybe it's because that is you know, I look at that shit all the time and it's like, oh, there's the old motion tracker, you know? <laughs> Why don't you do something different? I but love motion it's tracking. The same but... fucking shit over and over. I actually again. really I'm, like I'm motion not, tracking, but yeah, know, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not ripping on motion tracking, period, because I think it has its place and and its and a good use for for many many things. Uh, but there's certain designs out there where it's just like, come on, you know? Yeah, totally. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's irritating. But motion tracking good for sure 100 percent good yeah i mean as an effect i think it's useful oh, totally. for sure uh, all right let's wrap it up because i got some stuff to do um so if you have any questions topic suggestions opinions or if you have any fact corrections send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com we're always trying to learn new things so we'd love to hear from you you can also visit our facebook page and join our group to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any past episodes all of which can be found on iTunes and at SoundCloud.com slash B2B Films. If you like the show, please rate it and leave a comment on iTunes because it helps move us up the list on iTunes so others can find us. Our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at SkinnyProducing.com. And if you're alone on this Thanksgiving, you could join Skinny for a Skinny Giving. Skinny uh, Giving. <laughs> not a lot of food, but nice. there's a lot of company. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Um, next week we'll have our next guest on uh, and we'll be focusing on the reinvention of the superhero genre with Spider-Man 2002 and Superman 1978 as the two films Uh, so make sure you watch the films be a part of the discussion thanks for listening thanks guys have a happy Thanksgiving yes happy Thanksgiving happy Thanksgiving 2017 dating it right now 2017 (laughs) (laughs) hashtag Hashtag giving thanks. Hashtag tokens rule.